Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships, so we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Hey, welcome to Mountain View Fellowship. Thrilled that you're all here today. If you're new with us, especially welcome to you. We love having guests, and we hope that you'll uh, find a home here and put down some roots and start growing with us today. I'm really excited because I get to share with you guys kind of the kickoff to a new series. We're entitling this Better, and the tagline is How to Win at Home. Uh, we're going to be doing this for the next seven weeks, and if you look at the calendar, what you'll realize is that will take you all the way up to Thanksgiving, and, and I think it's important that we talk about our homes, our relationships, and things like this as we get closer to the holiday season for obvious reasons, because we're going to spend a lot of time with family and, uh, and, and just getting real with them and, and dealing with issues sometimes that we don't have to deal with the rest of the year, and so today uh, I'm excited that we kicked this whole thing off, but I want to I share with you that I think the reason that we're doing this series, first of all, is that I believe that every one of us, uh, we want our families to be better. Like, we want things to be better in our families. Even if you have a good family life and everything, it can still be better. Like, there's things that are not right, and, and you want certain relationships to be right. We want a uh, better relationship with our parents and with our kids, with our grandparents, our grandkids. And we all, every one of us, want to win at home. We all want to win at home. But the truth is, all of us at some point or another have come to this, uh, this reality, this devastating fact, that when it comes to our relationships, many times they are complicated. Many times they, they're hard, like you've got to put the work into them. You realize that. And, and sometimes, if, if we're honest, we would say that our relationships are sometimes hurtful. Now, if you agree with that, don't look at anybody around you. Just go like this, go, mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, so you're with me this morning. You understand uh, why this series is so important. Now, why, why does it hurt so ma- uh, much when we have our relationships that are out of, of sync or they're disjointed? Why? why? Because honestly, God has made us for re- uh, communities, made us for relationships. God was relational. We are created in his image, and he made us for community as well. And, and this community is experienced when we gather like this as a church, but I think more importantly, it's, it's experienced in the form of family. God designed the family to represent him. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one in perfect unity, and he expected the family to resemble him to the world, and sin entered into that picture and broke that. Uh, It's family that I think uh, gives us the greatest opportunity to express who God is. It's, it's also the way that we experience him. It's the way that we, um, we learn about him. It's, it's the way that we grow in him within the context of a family. So families are critical. God made us for community for that reason. And it's also because the family is so important, because it represents God, because in that, in that context we can experience God's love and all. It's because of the power that that unit has as a family that Satan works overtime to destroy it. If you're a family, you have a target on your back and you have an enemy working against you. If you don't know this, you need to know this, that your family has a very, very real enemy. I want you to know that today. 
And you might be thinking, well, yeah, I know we're struggling and all. No, it's not just struggling. It's a spiritual warfare. You have an enemy that's working against you. And if Satan can get a foothold into your family, he can sow generational dysfunction sometimes for years, sometimes for generations. So, and, and maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're dealing with that right now. Like some of you, I know you understand what I'm talking about because you feel the weight on your back. Like you've said, look, all of this has been passed on to me and I'm gonna protect my kids. I don't want my kids to experience the generational sin from the last several generations and so I'm trying to hold this back so it doesn't impact them and you feel the weight of that. You're working overtime on that and you're just not sure how to overcome it. But I want you to know that what, what you're gonna learn through this series is that God has a plan, he has tools, he has power, he has wisdom that's available for every one of us that keeps the odds ever in our favor when it comes to having a God-honoring family, home, marriage, relationships. Now, uh, you're going to see this in the text here in just a minute, but if God is for us, then who can be against us, right? And by the way, that comes out of Romans 8. That's where we're at today. So go ahead and grab your Bibles, head over to Romans chapter 8. We're going to spend the entire morning in this one chapter. Now, I know some of you, as I'm talking about this, this, uh, this idea of this series, you're going, well, I think I'm going to get up and pretend to go to the bathroom, grab a, uh, you know, a, I don't know, a coffee and a donut and head out the door because this really isn't for me because I'm single, or because I'm a widow, or I don't really plan on having family, and, and so I don't need to really pay attention to these weeks. And I want you to know that as your pastor, uh, I want you here. I want you to commit to be here all seven weeks, just like everybody else, because what you're going to find out is over the next few weeks, the principles that we're going to teach are either going to prepare you for opportunities that God has for you in the future, or it's going to make you aware of opportunities that are going on right now that maybe you're overlooking. And all the principles that we're going to teach are going to play out in all of your relationships. So even if you're single, even if you're a widow, it doesn't matter. I want you to stay engaged and just keep coming. Just be a part of this. Is that a deal? For the rest of you, commit to be here all seven weeks. And I promise you, by the time we get to the end of the seven weeks, we get to Thanksgiving, you're going to realize that the Holy Spirit is working in and through you, and it's transforming your relationships. You're going to have, you're going to have stronger relationships and a better home. I promise you that. Um, today, I want to start with this idea that whether you know it or not, whether you admit it, um, we all had a plan for how our life was going to turn out. We all had a plan for how our family would look and how it would operate. Now, it might not have been spoken like you didn't come out and declare this plan one day or you didn't sit down and write it, but you had a plan in your mind. And the way I know that is because we do a lot of premarital counseling. And I sit down with young people all the time that are getting ready to get married. And I, I love... I love engaged or just newlywed couples because um, they have no idea what's about to hit them. Like, it's glorious. It is just amazing, right? We sit down and talk to them, and they're just like, we're in love, you know? Um, we never fight. We're not going to be our parents. You know, I don't want to go, ah, you're your mom. Yep. It's going to happen, right? And, and you guys know that have been around for a while. You've been in a in marriage for a while. You have a family. You know that life gets crazy, doesn't it? 
throws you curveballs. There's not a single person in this room that can say that your life turned out exactly the way that you had planned. And the fact is, rarely does our experience match our expectations when it comes to our, our relationships, our, our marriage, our home, our parenting. None of it. Listen to me. Our experience doesn't match up to our expectations. Are you with me? This is, this is the problem. And we struggle with it. And when this happens, like, like we expected this and now we're into it and it's right here or worse, right? Then all of a sudden, we start getting frustrated. And we don't even know why. Like this isn't what I planned. This isn't what I, I thought it was going to be. And I thought it was going to be different than this. And we start getting frustrated. And then we get angry over the whole situation. And in that anger, sometimes some of us will slip into depression over the whole situation. My life stinks. I don't know what the deal is. It just didn't turn out. And you start uh, getting to a place where you're giving up on everything. And it's through that, that frustration and that, that anger and that depression that we end up sinning. And sometimes in that sin, we sow generational seeds that start to sprout up in our family. And sometimes we find ourselves pulling those weeds up. And, and maybe even generations later, they're still pulling weeds up from that generational sin that we sowed early. Now, why does this happen? Well, it's because we all have this plan. Like I said, whether we wrote it down or not, we all um, thought life was going to look like this. Every one of us, we had a plan. And it's interesting to me um, that we all, in our minds, thought we were going to have the perfect life. Even though we know that that's not possible, we know instinctively that everything doesn't go as planned. But yet we still thought we were going to have this, right? Like, it's just going to be amazing. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be perfect. We're going to have the, the, the fence, right? They even have grass on this one. It's amazing. Oh, look at this. I forgot about this. Uh, our assistant, um, pastoral assistant, Danae, put all this together for me. She did an amazing job. But it's got a light. Isn't that incredible? I mean, we thought we were going to have it. It's going to be perfect. Now, let me tell you, this is possible. It is. But, but let me tell you what has to happen. Three things have to happen. You have to have a plan. Secondly, you have to have all the pieces. And, and here's where it gets real sticky. And then all the pieces, all, all the people involved, have to go according to the plan. Do you see a problem in that anywhere? This is why, and let's be honest, none of us have this, right? We don't. We don't have this. Here's what we have. Right, it looks more like this. And, and it's crazy. Like the, the roof has got holes in it. There's not even, like part of the second floor is missing. And you know, all over here, all the cups are in the right place. I don't even think we have a kitchen in here. I can't even find it, right? It's a mess. The door's on crooked. Oh, look, and it's all brown, too. That's realistic. That's more like what we have out here, isn't it? Because nobody has grass out here. But this is our, our home. And it, and it ends up this way, I, I think, because we sometimes didn't follow the directions. And some of you are like, whoa, time out. There, there's directions? Like, you didn't even know there's directions. Much less follow them. Uh, the reason this, uh, we look like this so often, too, uh, I think, is because we rejected the instructions or the directions, and, and we decided that we had a better plan, and so we ended up with something like this. I think some of us, we, our life turned out like this, our, our home turned out like this, because we didn't have that example to follow. Like, we were missing pieces, Maybe you didn't have a godly father and now you have kids and you're trying to figure out how to do this godly father thing and, and you just don't have an example to follow at all. But see, this, this is actually not bad. 
Because if we're honest, I think most of us would say that this resembles our life. Like this is where we're at right now. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you were engaged. And before you got to the wedding, secrets came out. And now all you have is a bunch of pieces. Uh, maybe it was you're married and you were following the plan, like you were doing what you were supposed to, but your spouse decided they didn't want to follow the plan. And you're left with, with just pieces. Maybe, maybe you're the parents and you worked hard on raising your kids in the right way. And, and uh, you know how this goes. Parents of teenagers, right? And they get to a place and they start making their own decision. And they've, they've made some decisions that have wrecked the home wrecked their life, and because you're their parents, you're wrecked over the whole situation, and you're picking up pieces. Uh, maybe it's you wanted to be married, and you got a divorce, and, and this perfect picture that you had, you started down this road, and now you're stuck with this. Uh, maybe, maybe it's you were married. You were married for a long time, and out of the blue, your spouse passes away, and you're ticked in the morning because every time you get up, you're still making coffee for you and your spouse. And you're Googling how to start a snowblower because you know it's going to start snowing. And he just, he just used to go out and do it. I mean, and you didn't have to worry about that stuff. And now you've got to figure that out. I mean, what do you do with this? When this is life and you, you dreamed of this, and you're left with this, and you can say, look, I don't even know if I have all the pieces. Like, I know it's not put together. The, the best I can say if I'm judging favorably is there's some potential here. That's all I can say. What do you do with that? See, I think perhaps one of the hardest things to do on the face of this earth is to raise a godly family. It is so difficult. It is so hard. There's, it requires so much work. Our family, we, we've been all over the place, man. We're like this. We don't have it figured out. We're picking up pieces. And you know what I find encouraging is when I go to the scriptures and I look at all the families that are spelled out in scripture, I can't find a, per a perfect family in there either. Like they're jacked up. They got problems. They, they, they're dysfunctional themselves. And I know that sounds weird, but that gives me some hope. Even people that love Jesus, that were trying their best, they committed their lives to God and they still are messing it up. Now, unfortunately, what we're, we're left with many times is we, we don't know where to turn. And so we find ourselves trying to pull ourselves out of the pain. We, we find ourselves trying to navigate through the sorrow of a broken life, and, and we're trying to pick up all the pieces, and we start leaning into what we think are God's words, right? And, and things like this, things like everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And we hang on to that. And maybe for some of you that, that's working right now, like maybe you went through the divorce and you're beyond that and, and you found somebody and you're starting a new life and you can kind of hang on to this. You can post this on your, your TikTok or Instagram page because you're like, okay, that makes sense for me right now. Or maybe as grandparents, you're fostering relationships with your grandkids, the ones that you didn't have with your kids. And you're like, okay, everything happens for a reason. But can I just say outside of that, I had trouble coming, coming up with illustrations where that would actually work because for the most part, this is jacked. 
for most of you that are going through something right now, something serious in your life, in your home, to say everything happens for a reason, that doesn't bring any comfort. That just ticks you off, doesn't it? I know it does for me. I think about my own life. I'm like, this, this would never work for me. Maybe, maybe you've, you've lost a child. And somebody says, everybody happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And so, so what are you telling me? Like, God desired for my kid to die? Is that, is that what you're telling me? See, the problem with this statement is that it says that God is the architect of my pain. You want to know the other problem with that statement? Is God never said this. This isn't in Scripture. If, if your spouse cheated on you, if this is what you believe, then God was the instigator for your spouse to go out and have an affair on you. Do you see how messed up that is? Can, can I just tell you, look, this is bad theology because it pushes people away from God for something he never said. So can I please ask you, if you're saying this, if you're posting this, if you're hanging on to this, please stop. Just stop. Everything does not happen for a reason. Can I, can I give you something that's actually better? Something I think that actually is biblical? We need to replace this. Let's just take this completely out of your vocabulary and replace it with this. Everything can be redeemed. Ooh, that's good. That's good, because that tells me no matter what happens, if somebody sinned, if, if something's broken, then God can redeem it. This tells me that it, God can be invited into my situation, no matter how horrible, horrible it is, and he can make something, in, something horrible into something better. He can take something ugly and make it beautiful beyond anything I could have ever imagined if I just give it to him and invite him in. Now, the reason I believe that God can redeem anything, the reason I really believe that this is a great statement for us today is because I see it in Romans chapter 8. Take a look at this. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1, it says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son, his own son, in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, look at this, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Did you catch that? Like God sent his son to die for us, to take care of our sin problem, to pull us back to him, to redeem us. Do you know why I believe that God can redeem anything? Because he redeemed the worst thing. He redeemed me and redeemed you. I want you to do something if you can, okay? Just if you can do this. Can you bend over and just touch your toes real quick? Some, some, of, oh, you, some of you guys were real flexible. You went really fast. Yeah, good job. Yeah, some of you cheated, though. You, like, brought your foot up to you. Okay, I see how you are. But, hey, here, here's the thing, right? Um, I just asked you to touch your toe. You touch your toe. I don't have to ask you if you can touch your nose. I don't have to do that. If you can touch your toe, you can touch your nose, if God can redeem, get this, if God can redeem my soul from hell, 
he can redeem my home. Are you, are you with me? If God can do the hard thing, he can do the easy thing. See, he redeemed us through his son, Jesus Christ. He, he took us from being prisoners, and, and he turned us into his children. We're no longer prisoners to sin, but we're free in him. If he can do that, imagine what he can do in your family. Uh, look what else he can do in verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about, uh, think about things that please the Spirit. Verse 6, can I just say this? Some of you, I feel like you need to underline and circle this one, all right? So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to, say it with me, death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. That is such an amazing statement. It's so massive and so big. If we could just get this, it would transform our homes. It's this idea that he gives his spirit to us and his spirit guides our minds into life and peace. See, without God, you and I, we've gone into our homes and we thought we were gonna do this and the reason we ended up here is because our minds were controlled by, by our sinful nature. And we entered into our relationships, we entered into our, our marriage and our parenting, everything with that mind, and it led to death. But with God, when we allow his Holy Spirit to, to control our mind, he leads us into life, and he leads us into peace. And if, if you're going to go home and have lunch with your family today, if you could get two wishes on what you could bring into that, that lunch or that conversation or that meeting or whatever, who wouldn't say, look, I want life and I want peace. Do you know how that would transform your home? And life and peace, they come through the Holy Spirit. But look what else the Spirit does. Verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. So now we're getting to the foundation. This is what's important for us this morning. If we want our minds controlled by the Spirit so we can bring life and peace into our families, then we must have the Spirit living within us. Well, how does one have the Spirit living within them? Well, we are told in verses 1 through 4 what God did for us. It says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, so whoever believes in him would not die but have eternal life. And what happens, we had this sin problem we couldn't take care of, and, and God sent his son, and he lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross, and, he, and he, he rose again on the third day, and so he paid the price for our sin. He did all the hard work, and he hands it to us, and he says, look, all you have to do is believe. You just have to just believe, and I give it to you. And, and when I give that to you, when you are forgiven of your sins, you are cleansed, you are made right before God, and I can come in, and I can dwell through my spirit, in you, and you're filled with the Spirit. And guess what? In that moment, then you start this, this process, this sanctification process of learning how to let the Spirit control your mind. God, what is it that you have for me? What should I say in this moment? How can I love my spouse better today? What mission do you have for me today? And you start letting the Spirit work in your mind. But it all starts with receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that at the end of the service. So if you need to do that, if you've never done that, I would encourage you, do not leave here today without doing that. That's the first step. But then it goes on. It says in verse 10, And Christ lives within you. So even 
Though your body will die because of sin, so we're going to die, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That same Spirit, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal body by the same Spirit living within you. Um, do you know that you're going to die someday? You got that, right? Like We don't like talking about, well, it's more, but I don't want to talk about it. But the reality is um, you're one step closer today than you were yesterday, right? And the odds of you dying are pretty high. Like it's one in one. It's real high. So we need to talk about this even if we don't want to. And what this scripture says is that God has the power through his Holy Spirit to redeem you after you die. Like he raises your soul. He raises you to eternal life. So if God can redeem you from death, what could he do in your marriage? What could that kind of power do to transform your home? Do you see where I'm going with this? Like this is important for us to get because we sometimes think that God doesn't want to have anything to do with our personal life. Yeah, I trust him for my my eternal life, but I, I don't know, man, we're struggling in our marriage right now. The same power that raised Christ from the grave is alive in you, and it can bring life, and it can bring peace into your home. Tell me that's not going to transform your home. If you can trust God with the biggest things, you can trust him with the small things. See, I can trust him with my eternity, so therefore I should be able to trust him with my today. I can trust God with my salvation, therefore I, can, I should be able to trust him in my parenting. This is important for us to get. I don't want you to miss this today because this is where it comes from. This is the foundation for everything. Verses 12 and 13, it says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will what? You will what? Okay, you'll die. But if through, I love this, it always gives you a better option, right? But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will what? Live. You will live. Through the Spirit, you have the power to put to death the sinful nature that lives and wages war in your home. That sinful nature that causes harm to the people within your home. And there is a sinful nature within every one of our our marriages, within our our parenting. There's a sinful nature in all of our relationships. If you don't believe me, just ask them. They'll tell you, right? Uh, It could be selfishness. It could be self-image. It could be lust. It could be vanity. It could be arrogance. It could be narcissism. It it could be any one of these things. But the Spirit gives us the power to put to death that sinful nature that is actually causing harm to the people that you're trying to love, and we have to be open to the Holy Spirit and go, God, where am I missing it? What am I doing wrong? Okay, it's my pride. Help me to eliminate my pride today, especially as it relates to whatever, right? I mean, this is how the Holy Spirit can control our mind and lead us to a better place to where we are better and we start winning at home. Uh, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. 
Uh, this is an amazing statement. God redeems us. He makes us heirs. He makes us heirs. Like we are, we are fully grafted into God's family. You're not left out of anything. You know how I know? Because you're made heirs. And you know who you're heirs with? Did you catch it? In fact, together with Christ. You're heirs with Christ. How amazing is our God? How incredible is that? If God can take you from being his enemy and he can bring you into his house and make you part of his family, one of his children, part of his family, what could he do in your parenting? What could he do in your marriage? But it goes on, it says, but if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. What's he talking about? It goes on. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full right, our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Now, what's he talking about suffering for a little while? Well, it means this life. We're going to suffer a little bit through this life until we arrive in heaven before we uh, see our, our glory in heaven. We have this future glory coming. It has not come yet, which means in this life, we constantly will be striving for something better. We have an enemy working against us, right? We have sinful nature that wants to do something other than what God desires, and it's a constant struggle. Can I just tell you this? Suffer. Keep suffering. Keep pushing forward. It's okay, because there's a day coming and we're told that this suffering will, is just temporary. But the future glory is for all eternity. And I say this because I know some of you are looking and, and you're listening to all of this and you're like, okay, I want a better home, but I just don't want it to hurt. Guess what? Transformation hurts. It hurts. You want a better marriage, but you want the easy way there. It took you 30 years to wreck your marriage and you want it just to be bright overnight. It doesn't happen that way. You have to suffer for a little while. It's not a downhill run. You have to push it uphill. And I know that's bad news for some of you because you're like, I really don't want it to be this hard, but it is. And here's what we're told in scripture. It's worth every bit of it. There is a future glory coming if you suffer for a little while. And we get impatient and we want it to be fixed overnight and that's not going to happen and you have to remember that it was God's patience and his kindness that brought us to redemption if you want God to redeem your marriage and, and redeem your home you're going to ha have to be a little patient oh that we would be patient with the people that we love we're reminded that our suffering is temporary it's just temporary and someday we will be in glory with God forever. Now, we, we all hope, well, we hope things would be right tomorrow. We ache for that. We want it to be right. But we have to be honest and understand that it's not going to be right tomorrow, which means we need God through his spirit to give us the strength to keep pressing forward, to continue to work for the redemption that God desires for our relationships. 
Now, he's going to do the work, but you have to stay in it. You have to stay faithful. In verse 26, it says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Now, the reason I bring this up is because of this. I know many of you are here. And I'm talking, and you're struggling and even understanding how you're going to put two of these pieces together. I know that. And I know some of you are sitting here going, I, I don't even know where to start. Like, I wouldn't even know what to pray for. And you need this verse, because what this verse tells you is that the Holy Spirit intercedes for you before God the Father. No matter how hard things get, no matter how heavy they get, no matter how dark things get, no matter how much suffering or anguish you go through, you have access to the Heavenly Father. He hears your prayers. This is the promise that we have in Scripture, that God is going to hear your prayers. You don't even know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit is speaking for you because He knows your heart. He knows your desires. And I love this because if, if in this moment we go, look, I've been messing this up, but my desire from here on out is that my marriage, my family, my, my parenting, my home would be God-honoring. Guess what in that moment? You get a teammate. Do you realize that? You get a powerful teammate in the Holy Spirit that wants to work with you to make that happen. That's how incredible this is. You just got to partner with the Holy Spirit and the work that he wants to do for the glory of God. I want to encourage you, just suffer, just keep pushing, just keep going, and watch what God will do in that, because he can redeem anything. There's this uh, Japanese art called uh, kintsugi, and uh, I was introduced to it. It's very interesting, because we don't have anything like that here in the States. You know, if you're like me, you drop a plate or a bowl or something, and it shatters. You just scoop it up in your, your dustpan, and you throw it away. You don't worry about it. But, but see, in the art of kintsugi, they don't do that. Here, here's what they do. They take all the pieces and they put them back together and they take gold and they'll use gold to bring all of the pieces back together. So every place there's a fracture or a break, they'll fill that with gold. And in kintsugi, it just actually means golden um, joint, uh, joints is what it means, joinery. It's this idea that uh, they're going to take all those broken pieces and put them back together using gold. Now, um, the fractures in these bowls, they, they don't represent the end of the bowl's life. They actually just represent these essential moments in the history of this, this bowl. And I think this is a lot of, of like what God wants to do in our lives. We're pieces. We're broken. We have a lot of broken pieces in our lives. And, and God just wants to be invited in. And through his Holy Spirit, he wants to move his healing hand through there. And he wants, he wants to cover over those scars. He wants to heal. He wants to bring healing in those situations. I, I think this is amazing because this is exactly what God wants to do if we will let him. For many of us, all we need to do is ask. We need to partner with this Holy Spirit. This whole, this whole better, how to win at home, a lot of it is dependent on us humbling ourselves before God and going, God, I want what you want. Would you help me? And some of us, we're struggling with sin. We're struggling with pride and everything else and just humbling ourselves and getting to that place going, no, I wasn't wrong. It was, it was her. It was him. I'm not going to apologize for something I didn't do. And we're fighting what God wants to do in redeeming our lives. And it's time we humble ourselves 
And we just say, God, we're broken. And we need you more now than ever. It was Ernest Hemingway in his book, A Farewell to Arms, that said it this way. The world breaks everyone, and afterward many are strong at the broken places. I think that's true. And any, any couple in here that's had their marriage on the rocks and God has come in and done an amazing thing will tell you they know what this means. God can do miracles. He wants to redeem your life. He wants to redeem your marriage. He wants to redeem your family. He wants to redeem your home. He wants to redeem your relationship with your grandkids and your grandparents. See, the, the, the pottery that when they used kintsugi, they didn't get broken. They didn't just throw it down so they could put it back together. It's the same way in our marriages. Our marriage isn't broken because we threw it on the floor and shattered it and going, okay, we want to see what God's going to do. No, it breaks for a reason. And many times that reason is sin. It's our brokenness playing out in our relationships. But God wants to repair it. But see, repair requires transformation. The good news is you have a God who is in the business of transforming lives and relationships. Verse 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can, be, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything? You need to know this. Not only does God want to redeem your life, but he wants to work in your life, and he wants to give you everything that you will ever need to have a God-honoring life, marriage, home. He wants this. He desires this for you. God is working on your marriage. He's working on your home as we speak. He's just looking for you to partner with him in that. He's forgiven your sins. He's removed your shame. He's rescued your heart. He has redeemed your past. You can't tell me that he can't take care of your marriage and your home. Through the power of his Holy Spirit, God wants to do something amazing in and through you. Nothing is too big for our God. He is capable of anything. You know what I like about these Lego pieces? is uh, you can destroy them. Like you can rip the whole thing apart, tear the whole house apart if you want, but uh, you can even separate all of them. But when you get it down to one Lego like this, just in pieces, you can't destroy these things. Anybody who's ever stepped on one knows that, right? Like these things are impossible to destroy. And what I love about that is, is they always retain the ability to be picked up and reconnected again and built back up. And that's the DNA that God has placed within all of his people. He can redeem anything. Nothing is beyond him. Nothing is outside of his love. Nothing is outside of his strength. Nothing is outside of his redemption. But it takes us stepping forward and receiving that and allowing him to have his way in our lives. And so let me just tell you, the first thing that has to happen is every piece has to be his. If you've never received Christ before, that's the first step. He wants to redeem your life first so that he can start redeeming your relationships and, and your home. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to move into a time of decision. I'm just going to stand right over here. If you've never received Christ and you want to do that today, come see me. I would love to share with you how you can do that. Uh, for those of you that are believers, here's what we're going to do. We're going to worship, but as we worship, here's what I want you to do. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you where are those cracks where are the places that God wants to come in and he wants to run his healing hand? 
Would you pray about that? Open yourself up to that and allow God to move in the way that he wants to move.